Hey Shelby Christian, I'm Caroline Scott and here's what's happening on the Hill. So you can blame it on Christmas or the economy or gas prices. Regardless, all of us could use some financial peace. Thankfully, the next Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University course will begin on Thursday, January 26th at 6.30 p.m. and will conclude on Thursday, March 23rd, prior to spring break. For more information, contact Pat or Cindy Murphy. You can find their information on our website under the Adults tab. Just click on the Financial Peace University. So because of that crazy weather this past weekend, we will be extending our Together offering through January 8th. You can either use a red envelope on Thursday or Sunday, or you can give online. Go to the Give tab at the top of the e-news or on the website and choose the Together option. We'll begin the new year by incorporating the first step of Pathways into our January sermons. Anyone wanting to place a membership may do so as part of those services. We'll then offer our complete Pathways on Tuesday, January 17th. Sign up for Pathways on our website under the Welcome tab. We're looking forward to our next sermon series called Up to Us. Pastor Dave will be diving into the seven churches in Revelation. We'll begin with the church of Ephesus and how they forgot their first love. We had an amazing Christmas season at Shelby Christian, and one of the biggest highlights was seeing our friend Michelle Hunter get baptized last Thursday night by our very own Kim Hamlin. Talk about a great way to kick off Christmas. Praise the Lord and congrats to Michelle. Welcome to the Shelby Christian family. If this is your first time at Shelby Christian, we want to meet you and connect with you. Be sure to stop by the I'm New wall. You can't miss it. It's the big orange wall. We'll be here to greet you with a gift. Good morning, church family. How are you doing out there? You're looking good. So glad that you're here. Now you know what's going on on the hill. Will you stand with us and worship the Lord together? Joy in the 
finished a series called Emmanuel, God with us. And as we sing that song, I'm reminded that, you know, we don't have to be in a building because if you know Jesus Christ and he lives in your heart, you are the house of the Lord. So you can shout anytime you want, shout his praise. Um, I am involved, have been involved, have a heart for recovery. And in a recovery ministry, one of the things that you do is you introduce yourself. So for, I'm going to do this in that way. And I'm going to say to you, good morning. My name is Kim. And I'm a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. But I struggle with staying on task. So you can pray for me. But I really do, I do struggle with staying on task. So you know what, when I was thinking this week, um, there's a prayer help. It's an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's modeled on the Lord's Prayer. And the A stands for adoration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so that's a help to me to always start my prayers by adoring God the Father. And the C is for confession. I have to confess those things in my life that um, grieve the Spirit of God. And so I confess those to Him. And then the T is for thanksgiving because He forgives us of our sins. So we thank Him for what He's done. We thank Him for what He's doing, what He's going to do. And then the S in the prayer help is supplication. It's when we come to Him with our request. But I was also thinking about that in this time, when we come to communion um, as a body, we can use that same acronym because Hebrews 13, 15 says that when we confess the Lord in praise, it's the fruit of our lips, 
It's the sacrifice of praise. So when we've been singing, we've been doing that. We've been adoring him. And then when we come to a time of communion, when we come up, we uh, partake of the emblems of the blood uh, and the body of Christ. Uh, We come to him to commune with him. And he says, I invite you to my table. Now, you know, a lot of times, oh, We're a little hesitant because we know what our week has looked like. And the Bible does tell us to take it in a worthy manner. We can't be worthy on our own. Only Jesus' blood does that. But the Bible is so clear. It says when we confess, he is faithful and he is just. And he'll cleanse us from that. And that's what we can thank him for when we come to the T in Acts for this body that comes together. We thank him for that. Then you say, well, I thank him for that. I appreciate, I do that. I receive that. There are other ways we can thank him. We thank him through our tithes and our offering and our black boxes are up here for that. But we also thank him with our talents, with our time. And then in this service, the S can be submitting to him to sit still and let the spirit speak to you through the sermon. David is going to speak to us today about the letter to the letter um, letter to the church of Ephesus about our first love. So I'll ask as we go to prayer and we come up to um, partake of the emblems that we think about those things, what God has done for us, those things that maybe have grieved him and we confess those to him and then we commune with him at his table. We thank him by giving in some way. And then we sit and let him speak to us. So if you would, bow your head with me, and we'll just go before the Lord with those requests. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for opportunity to come before you as a body and as individuals. We thank you that you give us help to stay on task when we need to. Jesus, we are so grateful that you never lost sight of your task, and your task was to come here to live life as a man, fully God, fully man, to be our example and then to be our sacrifice. Jesus, as we come into this time of communion, would you speak to us? Would you remind us of those things that um, we need to give to you so that you can change us and then to also remind us that you are so full of grace and mercy? And then would you speak to us today? Speak to our hearts, Lord. Um, Give us direction. Give us a task and then help us stay on it. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that we pray. Amen.
And every chain will break His broken hearts declare His praise For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah He's roaring with power and fighting our battles And every knee will bow before For the sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. So open up the gates. So open up the gates. Make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with
Okay, two of us, cool. That's right. We'll, we'll build from there. We'll, that's a starting point, man. It, it is a new year. I hope your new year has started awesome. I really hope your new year has started awesome and that you find peace and hope and assurance in what we just sang about and what we just sang about weren't just words uh, that we really believe that we can that we worship a God who cannot be defeated and who will overcome and because of that we overcome with them I hope that is what you believe in and are assured of and walk around with and share with others and the list goes on and on and on are, are you are you ready for God to do something huge this year okay thank you big country <laughs> are you ready are you ready for God to do something huge this year? Maybe. No. Are you ready for God? God to show up in a huge way and do something big in your life and in the life of the church. Are you ready for that this year? If not, <laughs> you're about to get ambushed because I am convinced, I am convinced that he's got big plans. He's got big things in store. He wants to do incredibly, incredibly huge things, not just in our church, but across the world. There are things that are happening now that, that tell me that a movement of God is coming because only God can change things. Only God can move things. Now, only God can do that. But here's what I want to challenge you with today as we jump into this new study. And each and every local church on the planet from the day of Pentecost until now where there are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they need to be ready for God to do something. God, God is the one that's going to make it happen, but he needs his followers to be ready to jump on board, to get involved in what he's doing and to make a difference in that, those kind of things. And that kind of mentality is what brings us to this series that we're kicking off the year with. We're calling this series hashtag up to us up to us. Now that's with the caveat of us understanding that in and of ourselves, we can't do anything. But it's up to us to jump on board with what God is doing and make a difference and be ready to be plugged into where God wants us to be. So we're going to be using as our, as our study for the next seven weeks, the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. Can't find it in your Bible, go to the end. You're there, all right? If you're stuck in the maps, go back just a little bit, and you're in Revelation, all right? Revelation chapters 2 and chapter 3 are where John records, John writes out, or a scribe writes out for him, seven, they call them seven letters to church that are actually from Jesus. They're really more, almost more like postcards, at least in my mind, because they're not that long. They're, they're somewhere between six and 10 verses each. They're not that long, but they're powerful statements that Jesus wanted to make to these churches that had been started. Now, some of the letter, some of the letters and parts of them are very encouraging. They're very encouraging. Parts of the letter or the postcard or the vignette, whatever you want to think of it, are not so encouraging. Parts of them are Jesus using John to point out some things that need to be fixed. 
some things that need to be repaired, some things that need to be brought back into focus. And it's up to the followers in those churches and in turn us to be able to do that. It's up to us, whether positive or negative, whether we're looking at something that the letter is going to say, hey, you're doing this well. It's up to us to look at that and go, okay, note, note to self, note, that's, that's a good thing. Or if it's a negative and, and the letter is pointing out something that is not so good, it's up to us to look at that and go, I can't go there. Don't want to go there. We got to make sure we got to guard against that. So if you've got your Bible or your tablet or your phone, however you read along, get it open to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, there's some Bibles under the seats in front of you. You want one of those? Or it will be on the screen behind me. But let's dig in. Here we go. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Write this letter. This is G- all these words that I'm going to share are Jesus talking through John, to John, and then him recording it. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Now, if you've spent much time studying Revelation, you know that that's part of the further teaching that comes along later about the lampstands and the bowls and all that. We're not going that far. This is just Jesus establishing, hey, this isn't just something John thought about. This is for me. This is for me. So take note of this. And then look at verse 2. He says, I know all the things that you do. Here's some of the positive. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. See, you see there what Jesus did? Through that, he starts off saying, hey, way to go. Two thumbs up. Way to go. These are good things that that you're doing well and that you need to hold on to, okay? So it's like, okay, we're good. We're good. Now verse (laughs) 4. But I have this complaint against you. Kind of just took a turn, didn't we? I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the, and he's back to a good thing, you hate uh, the evil Nicolaitans, uh, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit says and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give you fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Not a long, not a long discourse. Seven verses. Some positive, some negative, and some positive to finish it up. Let me give you a little background of what's going on here. See, this whole thing, this whole letter, the whole book of Revelation was written by this guy named John who was part of Jesus' inner crew. He's one of the 12. Not only is he one of the 12 disciples, he was one of the three disciples that Jesus took with him almost all the time. Uh, The night that he was going to be betrayed, they went to the garden to pray. He took these three guys and took them as close to him as he possibly could, Peter, James, and John. 
John even has a step further because John is his beloved, he's his best friend. If Jesus didn't get married that way, but if Jesus had gotten married while he was here on earth, John would have been the best man. You with me? That's kind of their relationship. In fact, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, literally dying in those last few moments, and he looks down and he sees his mother Mary standing there sobbing and weeping, John is the one that he looks to and says, Behold your mother. Take care of my mom. Take care of Mary. When I'm That's the relationship that they have. And so John has outlived all the other disciples. The other disciples had been martyred. But the Roman government, instead of killing John, they exiled him to the island of Patmos. They sent him to this little island out in the Mediterranean. Uh, and there, because of the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ, John is able to see things. He's not there alone. They didn't send him off to some deserted island. This isn't some episode of some discovery uh, game show where you're out somewhere all alone. He's not alone. There are people there. And not only are there people there, the Holy Spirit is there. And Jesus is there because Jesus reveals himself to John there. In fact, in the very first chapter in in Revelation 1 in verse 19, it's like Jesus said, hey, John, you got a pen? You get your tablet? Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. Verse 19 says, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. And so, so he sets that, he sets that uh, premise at the beginning of it. Then you get to chapters 2 and 3 and you get to these letters. These letters are to seven congregations in the Greco-Roman province of Asia Minor, which today in our modern, in our modern geography, it's Turkey. The, 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 the seven churches, these seven cities that you see on the map, they're in what is modern-day Turkey. The seven churches are Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamon and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. And each of them were started by Paul on a missionary journey. And each of them has some things going on that need to be addressed. And the first one is Ephesus that we read about. It's the first one you would come to if you were going from Patmos over there. It's on the west coast of Asia Minor. And, and, and and a messenger traveling from Patmos, that's where they'd end up first. That was the port area. Ephesus was kind of the de facto capital, if you would, of the providence because of its economic strength, its diverse population. You had people of all nationalities and cultures that that's where they're coming and kind of landing because it's a central location. There was cultural wealth. There was all kinds of religious activity. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. If you want a, a, a comparison today, think New York City. Think something like that, a major coastal port town where you got people of all kinds of different backgrounds all landing there together. It's one of the reasons when, when Paul wrote letters to, to Timothy, Timothy was going there to be the minister, and there was a lot of stuff going on in Ephesus already. And so Paul had to tell Timothy how to lead there. So that's Ephesus. And in that church, in that city there, there's this church that was started by Paul. It was led by Timothy. There was a teacher there named Apollos. And there were servants there, Aquila and Priscilla, that were there, part of that church. And at the time that John is writing this letter, there was some really good stuff going on in Ephesus. Jesus pointed out, I see these good things, yet 
it was on the verge of some real problems if some situations didn't get taken care of. Thus, Jesus says what is recorded in verse 4. I got this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other like you used to. You think about that. That that stings, doesn't it? That that stings like somebody that you care about says, hey, doesn't feel like you love me. Doesn't feel, I, I, I kind of feeling, you know, a, a Tom Cruise Top Gun moment, you lost that love and feeling kind of thing going on here. You, you don't love me like you used to. Do, do you remember the first time you fell in love? Remember the first time? Remember what it was like? Heart starts beating a little bit faster. And the first time, you're not even really sure what's going on. <laughs> it just starts happening. And, and, but then when you're around that guy or that girl, your, your, your palms start sweating. And, and then you get to the point where, like, you're, you're figuring out every way possible to just run into them. Whether it's at school or at the mall or at church or work or like that, that's, that's what's going on. And, and, and you're doing everything you can to be with them and to kind of see if, you know, hey, are their are there palms sweating too? Or is this just me? Is this just me? As, that, that's somewhat how our walk with Christ, I think, is supposed to feel. Some of you in here today, I can say, do you remember that first time that you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Maybe the moment you were baptized and you came up out of that water and you felt cleaner than you had ever felt, especially if you made it, making that decision as an adult. And so there had been some baggage. There had been some more miles under the pavement. And, and you come up and all of a sudden this, this idea that you didn't even think was possible because you knew what you had done and where you've been and you're like, I just screwed my life up so bad, there's no hope. And then all of a sudden you find out about Jesus and about his love and his forgiveness and you give your life to him and you come up out of the water and, and you just have, you've got that feeling. You've got that feeling inside of you. That's kind of what Jesus is after. Now, if you, now, if you haven't done any of that yet, if you've never fallen in love, you, you, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. It doesn't make any sense to you. It's one of those things that I'm just going to say, you just need to trust me. <laughs> just trust me. And when one of those things happens to you and you feel it, you'll go, oh yeah, that's what Dave was talking about that day. Because it's a different kind of feeling. Now, here's, here's what we've got to do though. Some of you, unfortunately, have been in a relationship where someone has told you, not sure I love you anymore. Or they've said, it doesn't feel like you love me anymore. Kind of lost that love and feeling. And it stings. It stings. What are you going to do in that moment? If you want to repair that moment... If you want to repair that relationship, it starts, you got to remember how it was at the beginning. If you can't remember what it was like with the sweaty palms and all the heartbeat and all that kind of stuff, you would have no reason to want that again, right? So you've got to remember what that felt like. And the second thing you've got to do then is kind of like own your own stuff. You got to repent. 
you got to remember what it felt like and you've got to repent of whatever your part of the problem is that has severed or at least uh, injured that relationship and so you remember what it felt like at the beginning and then you repent of anything that you've done to mess that up and then the third thing that you need to do is you need to repeat what you did at the first step You need to go back to whatever it was that made it feel the way that it did at the very beginning. And you need to do the very best you can to repeat that. And I think, get this, here's the cool thing. I think that same formula can work for churches and the individuals that make up churches. That they remember that, that moment they came to Jesus. And they repent of anything that has separated them from that. And then they repeat that moment. It was as if Jesus said, hey, you guys are not doing a very good job at this love God, love people thing. And here's what's going on, I think, today and how we imply it. We say that every week, don't we? Love God, love people. But in our world today, you know what the world today wants? Love people. Love people. Love people. Be kind. Don't care what's going on, just love people. Be kind. But the reality is where that whole phraseology comes from, it's when Jesus was asked, hey, teacher, what's the most important commandment? Remember what he said? Most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Number one. And then he said, right behind that, but behind that, because, you know, Ricky Bobby taught us about first and last, right? Okay? All right? If you ain't first, okay, so there is a first. First is love God. Love God, what he says, who he is, what he teaches. Love God. And then, based on your love for God, love people. When we get those two things backwards or we leave the first one out, we mess people up. We don't really love them. Because we love them and allow them to think that whatever it is they're doing is okay. And so they're saying, I love you enough that I got to at least point out what God says. You got to make your own choice. You got to do you. But I got to tell you, here's what God says about that. Because I'm going to love God first and then I'm going to love people. And Jesus is saying to them, he's saying to them, it looks like you guys kind of got this messed up a little bit here. And you've lost that love and feeling. Because here's how we know if we really love God. It's straight from Jesus. I didn't make this up this morning. This comes straight from Jesus in John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll obey my commands. If you love me, you will do what I ask you to do. You'll obey my commands. The church at Ephesus, get this, I hope you saw this and, and, and kind of were able to tune in. The church at Ephesus was doing some really cool stuff. Jesus used John to point that out. It had great ministries. They probably had a great worship team and awesome youth ministry and all those things. But it's soul. It's soul. The soul of the church was adrift and it was on a collision course was spiritual disaster if they didn't get some things right. And so, so what we got going on here is through John, Jesus 
the good shepherd. Remember that terminology for Jesus, the good shepherd? And, and in, especially in biblical days, you think of a shepherd and his staff. Remember his staff? And it's this long stick and this, a staff. Had, it was long and hard and solid, except at the end it had some kind of hook on it or, or at least a, a, some kind of bend on it. You know what that bend was for? Now, the, end, the straight end of it was for whacking things. It's like a wolf comes up or a lion or, or a person or whatever. That's what that end of the stag was for. Like, I'm going to like wear you out. All right? None of us want to be worn out by the shepherd's crook. But the crooked end of it, the shepherd used that to have something to hold on to the straight part and to reach out and to grab lost sheep. Sheep slipped and fell over the edge. It's going over the side of the edge. The shepherd could reach down and grab it. The shepherd sees a lion coming and the sheep doesn't see it yet. And right before the lion gets to the sheep, the shepherd grabs it and jerks it back and pulls it back. So what's going on here is the good shepherd is reaching out to the church and in turn to us and pulling us back. Saying, hey, hey, you're doing some really good stuff, but hey, I got I to show you this. I got to point this out to you. And this church, while well, this, this letter, excuse me, while it was written to the church at Ephesus, each member in that church was responsible for their response. And so was every member of every other church in these letters. And so are we today. This letter was not written to us, but it was written for us. In fact, Jesus said through John, it's up to us to get these things right. Thus our series, Up to Us. Jesus has done his part. He died for our sins. He gave us an opportunity to be restored, to make everything new. We need to do our part. It's up to us to follow him. And, and so what's going on here is we're reading somebody else's mail. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's like we got somebody else's mailbox. Or gotten somebody else's email. And we're reading their mail, but it's up to us to determine if the shoe fits and, and to wear it. So here's what I want to encourage you throughout this whole series that Jason and I are going to preach through. I, I want you to think about these things. I want you to think about this concept. And, and I want you to begin not only living it out, but begin sharing it. In fact, if, if you're a social media kind of person, uh, to either just write your own thing about what we're learning in these churches or to take pictures on the screen and, and, and to share it with your, your community and then just hashtag it, hashtag up to us as a reminder to draw people's attention to here's how we're going to live starting in 2023. Because really what all these are about is the main thing. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that a lot of us have read or even shoot off books of that, he was the one who really made this phrase popular, that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Sounds either confusing or makes perfect sense. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And while that sounds great, it seems to me that the church at Ephesus had forgotten the main thing. Local churches like ours have got to be careful to remember the main thing. And so part of that issue there is we've got to know what the main thing is if we're going to keep it the main thing. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. I want, you to, I want you to imagine with me, if you would. Imagine later on today, maybe tomorrow, when you go back to the office, to the factory, wherever it is you go on Mondays, maybe somebody says, somebody says this to you. Hey, 
tell me about your church. And so you jump right in and you start listing all the good works that Shelby Christian Church does. You tell, man, we got this most amazing worship band and the singers are incredible and the youth ministry there is off the hook. It's fantastic. They've got stuff for all ages, different times in the week. In fact, there are multiple buildings, separate buildings for each age group and separate staff people assigned to those groups. And they've got activities ministry that's incredible. You can come there and you can participate in soccer and basketball and pickleball and disc golf and they got a gym and a walking track and outdoor athletic field and trails that you can go and walk on and they really care about people. They got all these special ministries to people who have special things going on. They've got support groups for people that are wrestling with grief or addiction or people who've had abortions or people in financial stress. There's even a group of senior adults who get together every Friday night and play cards and have their own small group that way and you're telling all these things and the person's been listening and then there's a pause and they say yeah but have you seen God working has anybody been saved there lately whoa do you see the difference do you see the difference And what's the main thing? What's the most important? Now, fortunately for us, you can say, absolutely, absolutely. We just saw a video in church today of someone that was getting saved. There's going to be another one because we had another baptism here on Wednesday night this week. There's two more that are going to happen in the next service. That is something that happens here. And so fortunately for us, we're kind of focused on that. 61 people made that decision last year. And so it is a big deal to us. But we got to make sure, hear me, we got to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing. So understand, we want to keep that main thing. And to us, the main thing is people being in a right relationship with God for eternity. For eternity. Not just feeling good about life and showing up on Sunday and getting their Jesus on and feeling good. No, we want people to make moves to get into right relationship with the God of creation for all of eternity. So what we feel like needs to happen, and that's one of the reasons we offer Pathways. Pathways is kind of our on-ramp to things like salvation and membership and then to discipleship and making more disciples and to involvement. Some of you have done that. But every couple years or so, we like to bring Pathways in here at the first of the year and kind of do like a massive thing. And so what I want to finish up this morning is the first half of step one of Pathways that I usually teach. Next week, Jason teaches the second half of step one. So he'll do that as part of the sermon next week. And you'll actually have an opportunity next week if you haven't already become a member to say, okay, I've done, first, I've done the first step. I want to sign the covenant. I'm in. And then the following Tuesday night, you can come to our full Pathways and go straight to second step. You know, just bypass first step room. You've already done it. All right. So let me spend a few minutes here finishing up. And for some of you, this is repeat. I know that. But remember what we're trying to do? We're trying to keep the main thing the main thing. 
So sometimes we need to be reminded what the main thing is. So let's walk through this really quickly. What's the main thing? Our purpose in life. It's to understand our purpose in life. And our purpose in life is to love God and to be able to eventually spend eternity with him. And, and to be able, as part of that, to know that God created us to be like him. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the whole Trinity thing. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there from the very beginning. So that when, when it says in Genesis 1.27, let us create man in our own image. That's, that's, that's God creator, Father God saying to Son God and to Spirit God, the Trinity, let us create man in our own image. And the second thing that we need to understand about our purpose is, and this may be, this is the lesson our world needs so badly, so badly, to understand that God loves us very much. See, we've talked about this before, that for a lot of the world that is still not sure about what they think about God, they thought, well, if there is a God, he's this cosmic killjoy that's up in heaven with a quiver full of lightning bolts waiting ready to, getting, waiting to zap us every time we screw up. And if that were the case, we'd all be toast every week. But that's not the God that we serve. He's not out to get us. He's for us, not against us, because he loves us very much. That's understanding our purpose with God. And that he created us to worship him. To worship him. Not just on Sundays, like Kim was talking about in communion time. If the Spirit of God is living in you, the house of the Lord is not just in this place. It's wherever we are. And to worship him. So, so that's it real quick, okay? Understand our purpose is to love God and to spend eternity. Now here's where we got to get serious about stuff. We have a problem. And ever since Genesis 3, ever since about page 3 of your Bible, and you get to Genesis 3 and sin into the world, we've had this problem. And the problem is that sin that Satan brought into the world in Genesis 3, sin, when we fall into it, and we all do, sin separates us from God. It, it, it's like this guy who's looking to the other side and thinking, man, I'd love to be over there, but I don't think I can make that jump. I don't think I can get there on my own. And that's where we all, because every one of us is a sinner. That's what Romans 3 says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And and sin is not just an oops, not just a woke up today, go, oh, oh man, I think I accidentally sinned yesterday. No, sin is when I know God has said to do this, but I'm going to do this. I know God has said, don't do this, but I'm going to do this. That's sin. And every one of us has sinned. And all of our attempts to make that jump and to get to the other side on our own, all of our human attempts, we end up in the gully. We fall short. And then when we fall short in sin, the ultimate penalty for our sin is death. That's what Romans 6 says. The wages of our sin is death. Not just here on earth, that's going to happen to all of us, but eternal death, eternal separation from God, not just momentary, but forever. That's what our sin has earned us. And then there's that wonderful three-letter word, but the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if our purpose is to love God, but our problem is that we're separated from God, there's got to be a solution. And we need to understand that God's solution is that he gave us Jesus to bridge the gap and to build a bridge back to God. That he gave his one and only son for us. That's huge, guys. But those bridges, Jesus came to, to make things right. Remember when you used to actually, that you got these little booklets with these little pieces of paper and you could write on them? And, and you wrote something and then they sent them to your bank and your bank gave whoever you wrote that note to money based on that note. And then at the end of the month, they sent you the big envelope of all those notes that you had written. And you were supposed to open that envelope. You were supposed to. You were supposed to open that envelope and get them all out and and make sure that they charged you what you intended to be charged when you wrote that note to that establishment and the bank didn't mess things up. Or the institution didn't mess things up. And if you found a problem, it was up to you to contact your bank and to reconcile the problem and make things right. The Bible uses that word reconcile. It says that's exactly why Jesus came. He came to reconcile our sins. To make things right. And he came to bridge a gap. And John 14, Thomas said, Lord... I I don't know how to follow you because I ain't got no clue where you're going. And Jesus said, Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was that bridge. See that picture of that bridge? You ever walked across one of those? One of those suspension bridges? Some of you love it and some of you are terrified by it. If you've got any family roots in eastern Kentucky, I promise you've been on one of them. I promise you've been. I love them. They're a lot of fun. But you know, you, there's, there's, there's some tricks to walking on a suspension bridge. You, you kind of try to need to stay in the middle. And, and if you're walking with someone... I told several of you this story before. Kim and I were on vacation. We, we, hiked. we were walking across one of these about three years ago, and, and she was probably 15 feet out in front of me. And if you didn't know, she was the one, those of you who don't know, she was the one that was up here earlier doing communion. So let's just be kind about it and say there's a slight size differentiation and just leave it at that. Can we do that? Well, I'm walking about 15 feet behind her, and I noticed that when I stepped, she bounced. <laughs> now, you need to understand, my love language is smart, Alec. And, and so I said, this is going to be fun. And so I started timing it. And, and I would like, and she bounced. And after about another one, like, then I'm like, and she really, and then I got the look. <laughs> you guys get it, right? You, apparently you understand the look, all right? When we got back, and I, I sheepishly kind of got up closer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we walked across the rest of the bridge. But when we got back to the cabin that night, we were talking about, and there's that when I got up close to her and walked with her, guess what? Guess what didn't happen? The bridge didn't bounce as much. And the closer we were walking in stride together, the smoother the journey was. And what I realized was that's a lot of our walk with God too. 
that the closer we are to walking in stride with the Spirit, the smoother the journey of life is. And Jesus is the bridge that God gave us as the solution to our problem to get us back to our purpose. So how do we make that step across the bridge and get Jesus into our life? It's pretty simple. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you've got to begin by trusting that Jesus is who he said. Not just saying I believe because there are so many, we talk about this all the time right here. There are so many people out in the world that will tell you they believe in God, that they believe in Jesus. And that's where it stops. They ain't doing squat about living for him or following him or obeying his commandments. So it's not just believing in him, it's trusting in him. Trusting in him enough to let what he taught affect your life and your lifestyle and the way that you do things. It's trusting in the one who is the bridge. And then it's being willing to repent of whatever sin. Remember, repent, uh, remember, remember, repent, and repeat. You know, lost that love and feeling. Okay, I, I've done stuff that I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm on a collision course with death, just like this church was. And so I am sorry. Here's my stuff. And not just say, God, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. No, own your stuff. Whatever your stuff is. Because your stuff's different than my stuff. All right? You know, for instance, like, I don't know. Let's just say, if eating oysters was a sin, I can mark that one off my list. Because it has no, and some of you are on a collision course with hell because of oysters, all right? <laughs> not me. It's not, it's not a problem for me. But ice cream? Whoa. Whatever it is that you know has gotten you off course. Own that. He already knows. You're not going to catch him off guard. He's not going to, man, I didn't see that coming. He knows. So own it. Repent and turn away from that and turn toward him. Trust him. Repent. Openly confess his name. Tell everybody that you can come in contact with that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I'd love it if you would do the same thing. And then we get baptized. Now, here's the deal. It's critically important that you get baptized. But getting baptized alone doesn't do anything. You could probably really quickly look around here. I could have all the men in the church stand up really quickly. And you would quickly notice there's some big dudes around here. There's some really big dudes around here. Some of them work out. Some of them lift weight. Some of them lift a lot of weight. And if it was just a matter of getting your body underwater over there, we'd have done that already today. And trusted that no matter how much it ticked you off, you'd forgive us when you got to heaven if that's all it took to get you to heaven. But it's part of it. Don't think for a minute it's not part of it. Because here's the deal. Jesus, you know that guy we've been talking about? Jesus, the sinless, sinless son of God who came to build a bridge for you. While he was here, he walked 70 miles on dirt roads so that his cousin John could baptize him. And when he got there, John said, no, I don't need to baptize. And Jesus said, no, you need to do this to fulfill the will of my father. And so John baptized Jesus. And when he came up out of the water, the heavens opened up and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 
that's a pretty strong example that we need to follow if we want to get in right relationship with God. We need to follow Jesus' example. We need to follow his teaching. When he got to the end of his life and he's getting ready to go back to the Father, he said, okay, God, say, hey, everybody, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Got one last thing for you, okay? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I will always be with you. I'll never leave you. All authorities, I'm, I'm handing it off to you. I'm going to go back to be with the Father. And here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to go and make disciples of all nations everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything that I've told you, and I'll be with you forever. See you guys, I'm out. We need to follow his example and his teaching and remember to keep the main thing. The main thing. Jesus is the main thing. This week, this week our sports craze world was reminded that winning a game is not the main thing. In a really kind of freak incident, Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin, no relation. I, I literally had somebody contact me this week and say, I'm praying for your son. <laughs> honest truth. <laughs> honest truth. <laughs> Took me a day to figure out what they were even talking about. <laughs> but he was suddenly... Not just injured. He was dying on the field of Paul Brown Stadium. Stu was there. Stu and his youngest son were there watching this transaction take place, this all transpire. Extreme measures were used to resuscitate him. People around the world prayed. One, one national sportscaster on ESPN even stopped in the middle of a live broadcast to pray and ask God to heal DeMar Hamlin in Jesus' name. Yesterday, two teams knelt at center field and forgetting dealing for the wrong things. They kneeled for the right thing and they prayed. And our world is seeing that. But, but listen to me. We're hearing amazing stuff. The guy's awake and he's off the vent and he's talking. An amazing thing. But understand this. DeMar Hamlin surviving that blow to his heart that caused sudden cardiac arrest was not the main thing. Now, praise God, all indications and things I've read since then. He's a great guy, has a great cause of helping kids. And through this, God, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. And there's millions of dollars now that he's got to help kids with. But the main thing all along that, that we were praying for at our house was God let him live long enough to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior if he hasn't already done that. That's the main thing. The main thing is to love God, to spend eternity with Him. So here's the bottom line. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for God to do something huge in your life this year? I hope so. And if not, I hope you'll get ready today. Would you guys stand with me while we sing this song? Jason uh, is back here at the decision room. Bobby's in here. He can go over here. Uh, we got other decision counselors. If you need to talk to someone, uh, head over there. Let's make sure. Let's make sure that when we leave the hill today, we're ready. We're ready for God.